about being called to reign with God. And we're going to see how this works out. I think it's a wonderful thing that God came up with his plan. I want to give you my sermon in a sentence, and then we'll break it apart. How does that sound? So the eternal God of love, the creator of all things, has set you apart to rule and reign with him on the earth and for all eternity. And so we're going to look at some scriptures. We're going to walk through these scriptures and, and see what God's called us to and asked us to participate in. Well, the first thing is, is that scripture tells us is that God is love. And there's an incredible understanding of, of who God is. It's, it's really difficult to explain because it's, uh, it's a mystery, basically, <laughs> that's been revealed in the New Testament. When it says it's a mystery, it's something that's not understood, but it's finally revealed and it's been given to us that God is a, is a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the scripture says that God is love. And if you think about it, God is the uncreated one. He's the one who has no beginning, no end. And so if God is love, then even prior to all that he created and all that he brought into existence, God had to, to be in, be love. And so you can't have love with a single person. I don't know if you know that or not. All right, so you take yourself, put yourself in the world, anywhere in the world all by yourself, you can't really love. Because love has an object. Love has to be given away. And so I, I was liking how this one guy put it. He said, you know, if, if, if God were just by himself, like in, in his being was by himself, he couldn't be love. And so he said, even if there were two persons in, in, uh, in the Godhead, even if there was just two, it could be just self-giving love where it's just one to another. But the interesting thing is this is that three brings this interesting picture in, in, involved in that love has to be self-giving and so the father loves jesus and the and the holy spirit and jesus loves the father and the holy spirit and and in and the holy spirit loves the father and jesus and in this trinity of, of one god god's relational and fully self-giving and that's one of the mysteries that figure it out i can't but well i'm serious i've studied this and i've read I've read volumes. I, I, I just, I've read and boy, oh boy, oh boy, is that ever interesting. But God reveals himself in the Trinity. And it says this, that he's love. It says, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. Have you ever sang that song? I remember old time song, long time ago. Yeah, long time we used to sing that. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He who knoweth not God knoweth not love, for God is love. Beloved, let us love one another. First John 4, 7, and 8. Yeah, they have to put that in there. But <clears throat> um, God is love, it says. God is love. And so in, this, in the relationship, God in the essence of who he is is relational. And it's just, it's, it's a mystery, but it's something that's really good. 
So God is eternal. He existed before all of creation, but he's still relational. So figure that out. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now it says this, John the uh, Apostle gives us some glimpses. He's the one who said, Beloved, let us love one another, for God is love. But then he also says this in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. He says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. There's that relational aspect. The Word was with God, and it says, And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Again, we get glimpses and understanding of, of Jesus before all of creation, before anything existed, was with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say it in that verse, but if you go to Genesis, it talks about before creation, about God the, the Father and the Spirit hovering over, and Jesus is the word that's proclaimed. So it's just kind of an interesting idea. But... Uh, Here's what Jesus said when he was in the garden. I, I like this because it gives us a glimpse again into this relationship that he had with the Father prior to anything being created at all. So John 17, 5 says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself and with the glory which I had with you before the world was. So God existed. God is love. And out of that love, he decided to create all things. He decided to bring all of creation, all the things that we see, and even the things that we don't see, he decided to bring them into existence. And I think it's because he's a God of love and a relational God. He wanted to create and to have ones that he could relate to. And we'll see this in a moment. But I want to see that that through creation, uh, all things were brought into, into being. So John chapter 1, verse 1, or verse 3, says, All things came into being through him, which is Jesus. He's talking about Jesus here. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So the way this is explained is the God of love who was eternal or is eternal no beginning no end is this god of love now at a point of time he speaks into existence all that we see and don't see all of creation was spoken into existence we have that in genesis six days of creation on the seventh day god rested but here's what it says in colossians chapter 1 verses 16 and 17 and again, this is speaking of Jesus. It says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Through him and for him. And it says, he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. They hold together because of him, because of who he is. And I think that was interesting because 
some people try to figure all this stuff out and you know we can kind of figure this out when god spoke he spoke the word and the word it says is jesus and all things were created through him and for him and the holy spirit and his power was involved in this whole process at the same time but he created all things but there's something about a special creation which is us he created all things, but he specifically created us in a special way, in a unique way that's totally different from all of the rest of creation. And this is the amazing thing. So God created us, it says, in his image, but he created us to be relational with one another, with us. And so Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, here's what God said. Let us make man in our image. So the special uniqueness it says, according to our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And that says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female he created them so you can see god created i think i i'm getting backwards am i josh all right so he created us male and female so you know how how things are nowadays where they say you know you can't use the word man and to bring women or females into the picture because that's a sexist statement. It says in the Bible that God created man, man, male, and female. So that word man is, is a term that includes every single human being on the face of the earth because there's men and women. <laughs> and so that word man is, biblically, it's something that that brings us together because God created us to be relational. He wanted us to be related to one another. We're created in his image. So what happened then is that, that uh, Adam was created first, if you remember. And he was in the garden and he was, he was there. And God said, name all the animals. And one of the reasons it seems that he named all the animals was to find out if there was anyone suitable for him. And so he went and he did all these animals. And it says he found no one that was suitable at all for him. And so then God said this. God looked down in Genesis 2.18. He said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. And it says that God took out of his side, some say a rib, some say the whole side, depending on how you're looking, how these guys are looking at. But God took out of Adam and created woman. And so there was male and female. And again, that out of, out of that oneness, there's, there's two. There's this relationship that God desires to have. He created in us to be relational to one another. But he also created us to be relational with him because that's one of the things. God, God didn't have to create us, but he created us 
Some people, you know, I've, I've read so many different things on this. Some people say, oh, God had to create something because he had to love them. Well, he, he didn't necessarily have to. There was that inner relationship within the Trinity that was already perfect and wonderful and great. But I think his heart wanted just to share. You know, he didn't have to create us, but he chose to because he wanted someone to have relationship with. And God is relational. There's no doubt about that. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful deal. But it says in Genesis 3.8, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. We can't even imagine, I, I think, the garden. We can't even begin to imagine because we live, can you imagine no weeds? That's one of my things. Weeds drive me crazy because they grow so easily if we could grow everything else as easily as weeds grow we would be in good shape wouldn't we but just you think you know that's just the minor thing just think there was there was no sin there was no shame there was no guilt there was no fear there was no no separation from god there's none of this stuff god coming down in the cool of the day to have a relationship and spend a time with adam and eve he wanted to have a relationship and he created us to be in his image. And you know the unique thing, I didn't put this scripture up there, but you guys probably know this. It says that when he formed Adam, he took him, made him out of the dust of the earth. He formed him, shaped him. But what made so many things unique, everything God called into existence, man he shaped and formed, but then it says he breathed life. And he became a living soul. The very breath of God, the very spirit of God comes in man and man becomes a living being created in the image of God to have a relationship with the living God. And that's what his heart is. That's what God desires. That's, that's what he's looking for is relationship. And I think that's the first thing. And the first thing we think of has to be God wants a relationship with us. That's why he sent Jesus. Because the relationship was broken through sin. So he sent Jesus to restore it. He's broken down, it says, the wall of enmity that was between us. He brought peace between us and God. So we have an opportunity to come to him and respond to him. But, you know, God created us for a purpose also. He created us to love him and to be with him, but he also created us to reign with him. And we're going to look at this through some of the scriptures. John chapter 17 again, Jesus again, he's in the garden right before he's, he's going to be arrested, tried, and, and crucified and all these things. And he says this to the Father. He says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. So even Jesus, if you think about this, God had a mission for Jesus, didn't he? To be the savior of the world. Here is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here he comes. And so there's this, there's this um, purpose that God has for the life of Jesus. And Jesus obviously fulfilled it. He says, I've done everything. And then he went to the cross and then he paid the penalty and the price and it says the scripture, you know, when he died, God vindicated him when he raised him from the dead, showing that he had done everything 
There was no sin in him. Death could not hold him. But he took it upon himself for us. It's just so awesome. But he says, I've accomplished the work that you have for me. So God does have a work for every single one of us, every single person. If we really look at the scripture, he has something for us to do. Now I'm going to read um, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. I already read it, but I'm going to read it so that we see a different context to it. I read it in the idea of having a relationship, but let's look at what God commanded Adam and Eve, what he spoke over them, what he told them to do. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule, key word here, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, here's the verse we didn't read last time. It says, God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So he's telling them four things. But I want to I underline this and highlight this. There's, it says God blessed them and said. Now we've talked about blessings recently and what a blessing is. It's more than just simple words, especially when God says it. When God speaks a blessing, he's releasing the ability to do the very thing that he's speaking. He's giving them his grace, his, his uh, power, and his authority to do the very things that he's speaking. So a blessing isn't just like, like kind words. It's not just like a nice thing that sometimes we do, oh, bless you when somebody sneezes. But what it means is, is there's actually a release of the life of God that goes forth when the words are spoken. And there's something powerful that takes place. And so God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, be fruitful. The, the one thing I think about when, when I do that always is, is uh, John, John 15. You remember John 15? Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Unless you're in me, you can't bear fruit. But one of the things that he says is this, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And so there's this, this idea of, of our fruitfulness glorifies God because he's speaking it into our lives. He wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to multiply. He wants to see increase and gain. He wants to see blessing come upon our lives because that's the heart of, a, heart, heart of our father. It's just like every single one of us. Any one of us who have children in this room, we want the best for them. We don't want the worst. We want to see them succeed. We want to see them, them grow and increase in wisdom and knowledge. We want to see them grow in ability. We want to see them grow in the way that they relate with others. We want to see them be successful. There's not one of us that just, oh, I just hope my son grows up to be be an alcoholic laying on on skid row i just i can't wait for that you know we don't wish for these things and so the god who's a god of love 
what in the world would he want but for blessing to be upon us? That doesn't mean he's given us an easy life and all this kind of stuff because this life's tough. We all know it. We all deal with stuff every single day of our life, but God also gives us the strength to go through the things that we're dealing with and gives us the ability to do them. So he says, I, I, I want you to be fruitful. So he wants you to increase. And that fruitfulness, like if you look at some of the passages like in Deuteronomy, it says, blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the, in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of, of your womb. You know, Blessed shall you have many children. Blessed shall your crops. Blessed shall all your animals be. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And it talks about this fruitfulness that God wants to give us because he's a fruitful God. Can you imagine the Garden of Eden? Sickly little trees that would blow over in the wind with just a little, little crab apple or something you know i'm thinking when that place was created it was awesome and it the fruit was incredible and amazing so you know you, we just think god wants us to to be fruitful and he wants us to multiply which just simply means that there's this idea to be numerous to increase and to thrive god even when they were in egypt you remember that it says in Egypt, it says that they just kept multiplying and they kept increasing them. God was placing, he was allowing them to grow and increase in size because he was watching them. Even in, during a time where they were being subdued and they, Pharaoh wanted to kill all the firstborn males and all those things. God wants us to thrive. That's what he's created us for. And then it says this. This is interesting because God spoke this in a garden where he says, after he created man, after he finished all of creation, he looked at everything. He says, this is very good. What's done is very good. So why would God say subdue? And why would God say rule? Well, I think God knew that there was an enemy that was coming called the serpent. And it says what you do is, he says, I want you to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and then subdue it. And that means to make, to serve by force if necessary. And that's an interesting word. And this is a, this is a, a like a military term kind of, which is kind of interesting. But he says, I want you to subdue the earth. You know, when Satan came and he did what he did, when the serpent came and did all the foolishness that he did, if Adam would have just stood in, in the name of, of God and would have cast him out of the garden, we would have a different life. He didn't subdue this spirit. And when I think of subdue, you know, this, this is like, oh, I'm going to crush something. up, But it's bringing things into the will and the purpose of God. I think that's what God's trying to communicate. So when the enemy said, no, God, God didn't say, you know, you're not going to die. He's, you can eat the fruit, no problem. He should have said, no, you get out, you leave this garden. This is the place that the Lord has given us and subdue and make him come under the authority that's there. And that word rule just means to exercise authority. So if he would have exercised that authority. And so how, what does this mean with us then, for us? Because we're not Adam, we're not Eve. Well, I believe personally that this commission 
to be fruitful, to multiply, to subdue and rule was given to man, not just Adam and Eve, because he's talking about the whole of creation. God, when he's speaking, he's thinking of them growing and increasing and multiplying and filling the earth. It wasn't just Adam and Eve, or they would have, once they died, then all, all this call and this authority and the things that God has given, the blessing that he spoke, would have died off. But I believe that this blessing is for us today, and he wants us to walk in this, and he wants us to rule and reign with him. When we reign with God, because that's what Adam and Eve were to do, they were to watch over the garden, they were to tend it, they were to watch over the earth, they were to keep it safe, and that's not what happened. And so he calls us now to be a part of this. And that's why I think it's vital for every one of us to find our place in the kingdom of God and find out what God has for us to do. Because it's clear in a multitude of scriptures besides this, if you go through uh, the Old and the New Testament, you see God calling. He constantly calls people to fulfill places within his kingdom. But here's how he wanted it to be with Adam and Eve. He is the king. He is king and their kings and rulers under him. That's what he planned. That's what he wanted. Did we die out here? Whoop. All right. Well, I'll scream a little louder. Woo! Here we go. So he wants us to rule and reign with him. You know, other scriptures talk about it this way. Is we're joint heirs with Christ. Everything that Christ has is ours. And we're to rule and reign on this earth and, and we're to bring his purposes. It's kind of like when, when they taught the disciples to pray, he says, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for us to be ones who bring about the will and the purpose of God on this earth. And where we see that take place, we see blessing, we see increase, we see favor. I was, uh, I, I was watching recently... Uh, uh, a little short documentary kind of thing where where these uh, missionaries went in and they started sharing the gospel with uh, with people and they said they said oh we're so happy that these guys have come because what we used to do is we used to kill our enemies and eat them but now well that's what they did he said we used to kill our enemies and eat them but now we we love one another it changed the whole culture, changes everything, brings life from death. There's, there's power in the name of Jesus, and he's asked us to bring his life into this world and to be his representatives. Every one of us in this room is an ambassador for Christ. If you know Christ, you're in his ambassador. It says it. It's very clear. Paul, Paul, Paul speaks it. And so we understand that we're here to bring forth his glory and forth his life and to see what we can see. Now, we know that this world that we're in right now will never be perfect. We'll never be able to fully, completely bring these things about the way that we desire to do. We'll never be able to do it because God's the only one who can fix things. He's the only one who can bring all things under subjection. He's the only one who can correct the wrongness that's in this world because of sin. And so that's why we're created for eternity. We're not just created for this world. This world, it says, is not our home. This is not our home. 
This is only a temporary dwelling place. This is only a few short years. I know it seems long sometimes. But it's only a few short years because God doesn't think in man's thoughts. He thinks out of eternity. It's just amazing. We were created for eternity. And, all right, we're going to read just a parable, I think, that helps us see kind of what what's going on so when jesus comes back now it says he's going to set his kingdom up there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth he's going to set up his kingdom but listen to this parable because i think it gives us a glimpse into things it's in luke 19 verses 11 through 19 while they were listening to these things jesus went on to tell a parable because he was near jerusalem And they supposed that the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Now these disciples and the ones who were around him, when Jesus goes to Jerusalem, they think there's going to be this thing where Jesus is going to declare himself as king. He's going to just begin to wipe out the Roman legions. He's going to do all this kind of stuff. He's going to take care of it. And so Jesus said, all right, I got to help you guys understand this. So I'm going to tell you a parable. He said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom. And this is kind of an interesting word. What do you mean, receive a kingdom? Well, these things happened all the time. Do you remember back in the time of Jesus, most of the known world at that point was under Roman control. And so if anyone was going to rule, it was by the authority of either Caesar or the Senate. So no one could say, I'm a king, unless they wanted to fight against them, unless uh, Caesar or the Senate made them a king and gave them a kingdom. So a kingdom is a realm that they would would, uh, go over. So what happened? So for example, Herod, remember Herod? Herod went to Rome to be given authority to be called a king. He couldn't just do it on his own because they were under Roman rule. He was given a kingdom. He was given a certain area that he was responsible for, but he was responsible underneath Caesar, right? Underneath Rome. So he went to receive a kingdom for for himself and then return. So he called 10 of his slaves. He gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that those slaves to whom had given the money be called to him so that they might know the business they had done. The first appeared, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, well done, good slave, because you've been faithful in a very little thing you are to be an authority over 10 cities. That's kind of interesting. Gives him 10 minas, and now he's in charge of 10 cities because he's got his kingdom, and now there's going to still be ruling that needs to take place. And then he says this. Second came, your mina master has made me five minas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. I think this parable shows one thing. I just want to say this. Sometimes we think we're going to heaven. And they always picture it sitting on a cloud with a harp. Sorry, 
There might be harps in heaven, but I don't think we're going to be sitting on a cloud, just singing away, gazing in, into the you know, sunset or whatever, just having fun. God has a purpose and he has a plan for each one of us. Even in the new creation, even in the new creation, did I say something funny? Oh, no cloud sitting. Yeah, that's it. I thought, you know, every once in a while I say things when I, I think I said something and I said something else. And so I have to always double check. What did I do now? Oh, boy. What did I do now? So no cloud sitting. We're, we're, we don't do that because God has a purpose for each one of us. There's going to be rule. There's going to be authority. There's going to be levels. According, and it says that he's going to reward us according to what we do here on earth. So there's going to be positions in heaven that our faithfulness on the earth is going to give to us. And you know what? Even if we have a small place in heaven, I'll bet you we'll be happy. Come on. Get out of here. That, that is totally guaranteed. You know, we're not trying to look at me. I'm doing all this so I can get the biggest mansion and all that. You know, go, don't do that stuff. We do it because we love God and we love Jesus and we're trying to serve him with everything that we have. And out of that, here's, here's what it says in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. And I just, I just love this picture. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away. That's what we're talking about, where we're living right now. Peter says it's going to burn up. It's going to, God's going to burn it up and recreate something that's special and unique. And it says that it passed away. There's no longer a sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. And he made ready a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard the loud voice from his throne saying, Behold! The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And then he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll no longer be any death. There'll no longer be any mourning or crying or pain, for the first things have passed away. And so we're going to live in a society that is what we would consider to be absolutely perfect. It's my guess there's not going to be doors on the locks. Uh, doors on the locks, yeah, locks. See, there, I just said one. I just had to do it because you guys laughed earlier. So, uh, yeah. Well, if you had a door in a lock, you'd have to have a key to get that open to unlock the lock. It's getting complex. Oh, oh well the joy <laughs> but i'm just thinking no one's going to steal stuff it's just going to be amazing no one's going to fight no one's going to kill each other there's not going to be any of this foolishness that we have to deal with on this earth because of sin it's going to be a totally different place but then god's going to rule and reign and we're going to do things my guess is there'll be farmers in heaven. My guess is there'll be uh, accountants in heaven, whatever. <laughs> There's going to be all these different things because God's 
didn't just create us to sit around. He created us for purpose. And we'll have purpose like we have here. But it'll be a different purpose because one of the huge purposes that we remain here is to bring people to Christ and to be able to speak and proclaim the glory of who Jesus is. And so he created us for eternity and every single one of us um, for a purpose. And so with that, then we can have, uh, I'll just do an introduction here. We're gonna, I'm going to shift since we're looking at the 